This is Steve McLeod, and you are listening to Bootstrapped, the podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies. Today's episode, 225, is a bit different to usual. It's an episode I actually recorded first for the Business of Software podcast. In this episode, I chat about the experience of attending the recent Business of Software Europe in-person event. I chat about this event with Joe Leach, who was a speaker at the event. Joe and I share our thoughts on the event, Joe from the point of view as a speaker and me as an attendee. Today we're going to be talking about the recent Business of Software Europe event that was held in early April 2022 in Cambridge, UK. And we've got an attendee from the event, that's me, Steve McLeod, and a speaker from the event, that's Joe Leach on the show today. And we're going to both talk about our highlights from the event and what we got out of it. Joe, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. It's good to be here. So yeah, um, me, what I do, I was once a professional speaker. I have been an author. I've also been a, a, an expert in product and product strategy, but these days I coach founders from startups through high growth to enterprise. So I coach CEOs really to help make the better choices, better decisions and supercharge everything that they do. And I was a speaker at the event. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. You were, and I can't wait to ask you a bit more about that. I'll now introduce myself briefly. I'm Steve McLeod. I run Feature Upvote, which is an app that lets your customers openly suggest and upvote improvements to your product. I also host the Bootstrap podcast, which is a show for people running bootstrapped software companies. And today I'm delighted to be able to record this, uh, this interview, not only for my own podcast, but also for the Business of Software podcast. Joe, tell us about your experience in the past with Business of Software, just so people know where you're coming from. Yeah. So I got involved in Business of Software. It was just before the pandemic here, actually. I was due to do a, an in-person workshop and obviously lockdown pandemic that wasn't in person so it was really one of the very first online workshops i did was with business of software so that was a few years ago i've spoken at a couple of online events since then which was a lot of fun i love the audience particularly the founders who are bootstrapping their businesses i have to say and um yeah this was my first actual in-person boss conference which was a lot of fun i really enjoyed myself there's something about in person, right? Like online, yeah. I know we've had to adapt and do this, but to be back in person again, to be it's, in the same good. room. It was, but you know, I was very nervous before I went for, and I, I always get nervous before going on stage is a frightening experience. It really is. I've, although I've done it hundreds of times in some really big, you know, like the Barbican in London, some really big places, I always get very nervous beforehand. And this one was interesting because I was on the train on the way up there. And it was the first time I'd taken a train, traveled much since lockdown. I've, the nerves are really kind of both the, oh my Lord, I'm out in the world in the middle of, you know, the end of a pandemic and all these, look at all these people around me versus also having to get on stage. So it was, I found it really scary, really scary on my way to the conference. I got very nervous about the whole thing. But you survived. I survived. It was great. Honestly, I had, I had a wonderful time. It was but it's still, you know, it's that, that anticipation of, the, of something that was quite normal was very yeah. different. So yeah, but I, I survived and had a good time. Yeah, I have to say, I agree with your feelings there. I also traveled from even further. I traveled from Spain and it was my first time in a mm. lane alone for a while. And yeah, it was very, very strange realizing that during the pandemic, we're supposed to be 
as little as possible socializing with others. And here I was like at an airport, at an airplane, another airport, a train and a conference with other people. And I had to sort of kind of unlearn that those rules yeah. we had been doing for the last two years. I think uh, that definitely showed at the conference that uh, there were less people than usual, because I think there's still a lot of people not who weren't quite ready to go in person. And I'm hoping that changes over time, over the next uh, months or years. I think it will. I mean, it did feel that way, definitely. Because I think, you know, again, it was still, people were still having to cancel because they were catching COVID as well. They were still, it was still happening. But yeah, I definitely was, I think, a, a reticence. Because I think what typically, certainly a lot of the conference I get in BOSS is no exception, is a lot of people come from across Europe to come to BOSS in the UK. Or if it's in the US, the US conference, they'll come off from across the US to go there. So people often make the effort to travel quite a long way to come to BOSS. So again, you know, the, the things that we were both worried about that, the travel, not only the travel, but also being in a conference were two extra things that for most people pre-lockdown were things you just didn't even think about getting jumping on a plane and jumping on a train to do something like this. It was just kind of normal. So yeah, it was a lot quieter, but that was quite nice though, wasn't it? I mean, it was quite nice to have a gentle introduction and a smaller, smaller group of people really. I selfishly actually really preferred it. Uh, I got to speak not just to you one-on-one -on -one for a while at the event, but also to two or three other speakers. And it wasn't Normally at an event, you can have these passing conversations like, oh, I liked mm. your talk. I enjoyed that. Can we talk about this? But it was actually being able to sit down for 15 minutes or half an hour and really talk in detail. Uh, this is something I know is not normal and I can't expect that every time, but boy, did I appreciate it this time. Well, that's really good to hear because I found the same thing, really. It was, I love a conference where, so again, I've, I've spoken at conferences with thousands of people. And I think what I love, always loved about BOSS and the BOSS community is it is very, is a strong community, Mark and Kirk and the team, they, they make sure that is the case. And so everybody you do meet is a really interesting, fascinating person. And as a speaker, what, what can often be weird is people, before you go on the stage, people talk to you like a normal human being. When you get off the stage, people, people's attitudes towards you change quite dramatically. And it's kind of strange that, that people don't know quite what to say and suddenly become a, not, I find it really weird. And I much prefer just having an honest, open conversation. I didn't, you know, if somebody comes to talk to me after my talk, I don't, I don't particularly want to talk about my talk. I'd much rather just learn about that other person that's there as well. And I think what I liked about Boss was that it was a lot more intimate like that. It didn't feel like as a speaker, you were separate from the audience, which is never a nice place for anybody really. So I always like it where I can have good, deep conversations with the people in, you know, with the attendees and with everybody who's there. And it was really definitely something that, I know BOSS promotes and something that I really liked about the in-person BOSS event, definitely. This is my, this was my fifth, no, my fourth in-person event. And I've been to a couple online, uh, my fourth mm. business or software event. And I can rem I remember back to my first one, the morning of the first day, I was having breakfast at the convention at the hotel um, it was taking place and I got to a nice conversation with somebody and then I realized, Hey, I'm actually speaking to one of the speakers right now. I didn't realize that's how it happened. Cause I think that's kind of unusual in events, right? Usually it is that mm -hmm. the, the speakers are kind of segregated or isolated from the rest of us. They have their own uh, dinners and so on. And I really appreciate that. Not just this year, but at all of them. Definitely. I'm with you on that. Cause I think as a speaker, again, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't come to the conference to sort of, you know, it's nice to meet the other speakers, but actually they're not often the most interesting people. The most interesting people are the attendees for me always. And being separated out from somebody and being thought of as separate is never much fun. It kind yeah. of creates a weird dynamic that I just don't enjoy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, you know, 
plenty of people talking to me when I'm trying to have a wee in the toilets after a talk, which is never nice. And because you've been on the stage, people think they can do that. But you know, that most of the time, the conversation is just really nice. And I don't, that separation, again, not something that business software do. And a lot of the good conferences don't do that. It's much nicer as a speaker to be like that, to be treated like, you know, like you are like a normal human being, because you are a normal yeah. human being, you know, it's no, there's no difference there, definitely. <laughs> So when I first found out we would get the chance to do this recording together, Joe, I was wondering if we should go through all the talks one by one and talk about them, but it's been a month since the event and I don't actually remember the talks to that level of detail. So you made a really good suggestion that we instead talk about the themes that came up, mm -hmm. the general themes of the, um, of the event. So if that sounds good to you, why don't we do that now? Yeah, let's do that. I, it was interesting because I was, I was trying to remember what what came back and what was interesting, the themes that kind of clearly came out for me were sort of from the conference were really, I guess, the sort of tactical ideas you could do to get, you know, basically get more customers, get more sales, that kind of stuff. There were a couple of talks from Brennan and um, from Napadong on those, as well as I think there were other talks on kind of things like applying your jobs to be done to marketing. Um, that was from Napadong and other things like that. There were some really interesting talks around the more tactical side of it, which I found really interesting, again, very useful. Um, other themes were around the kind of journey as a founder. Yeah. That's always a popular one to hear as people tell their own stories and we can relate. I think, uh, the, one of the founders from free agent was mm. there and telling us and I have to say, while listening to that, there were times I was thinking, well, I'm glad I'm not, I'm glad I wasn't in his shoes. There were some really tough moments there. Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about a lot of those talks as well is they also talk about you know, the, the journey as a founder anyway, the, the, tri the challenges you face, but also that point where certainly Rowan talked about it and, and Rosemary, who talked about another founder, um, talked about that point when you sell the business as well and what kind of that means afterwards as well. Because for a lot of founders, that's often a, a quite momentous event, you know, oh, I've sold my business, amazing. But there's actually, there's what, what happens afterwards. So what's life like on the other side of that? And both Rowan and Rosemary stayed on to work for the organizations that had purchased their businesses anyway. And that was really interesting hearing their stories of how things had changed for them, you know, post that sale, how it was a, a, an experience they were enjoying and they're actually thriving under, which I found really interesting too. Yeah. I don't think I could uh, thrive under somebody else being boss of my company. I think uh, that would be a struggle for me. Yeah, well, I, thought, I mean, that's a really interesting challenge, isn't it? I think for a lot, of, again, especially bootstrap founders, you're so used to being able to be you know, you're across your whole organization, like you are the CEO, you're the chief marketing officer, the chief, yeah, you do all of those jobs. And then having a boss coming in afterwards to sort of help you, you know, tell you what to do is a really interesting challenge. And what was interesting about Rowan actually from Free Agent is, you know, when he, he was a founder and when he, when the business NatWest Bank came in and bought Free Agent, he became the CEO at that point. So he actually stepped up to take over from the outgoing CEO, the other co-founder, which is really interesting again. So, you know, actually taking, seeing that as a real opportunity within the organization to do something different. And the same with Rosemary, she talked about that as well, how her role changed and she became, entered into a different role at that organization as well. A different opportunity presented itself rather than it just like being, being a manager, you know, being in the same seat you're in, but somebody managing you, it's, it was a different way of working, which I thought, I thought was really interesting. Mm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the third, my journey type of talk was Nick Lawrence. And this is the one I connected to the most. And it's because it was very much not a story of things going up, up, better, better, <laughs> growing, growing. It was just 18 years of struggle, 18 years of, of yeah. stepping forward, stepping back, stepping forward, stepping back. And, uh, this is, uh, for me was a refreshing 
experience to hear that I'm not the only one who seems to go almost as far backwards as he goes forward sometimes, like whole years where you look back and you think, well, that year didn't really add much to the business. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating that again, isn't it? Like you say, because the stories you hear about are the ones who are like, yeah, I started a business two years ago and now I'm exiting for this much money. Yeah, high fives, everybody, didn't we do well? Let's move on to the next one. It's not, it's a cliche, but it's like, it's a marathon as much as it is a sprint. You know, a marathon's like you have easy miles and you have difficult miles. It's, yeah, and Nick's talk was absolutely really, you know, eye-opening as well. And I think Rosemary touched on a lot of that as well. She was sort of talking about the points in her business where, you know, she... She had two kids and both of the years she had children and the business absolutely hugely suffered because she, her, her time was stretched between a business and raising a child and, you know, how life events also can get in the way of those, those things as well. When you are that, that founder, you know, you've got your family, you've got your life as well as you've got your business and you can't be across all of those things all of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a lot of pressure on uh, women CEOs, I'm assuming I'm not a woman CEO myself, but I'm assuming it's a lot of pressure on them to have to be some type of superwoman. They have to prove they can run their business really well and be a mother. And it's great to hear somebody saying, well, this actually, this wasn't the case. You know, it is, these are the hard times. Yeah, it's really tough to do it. And I think I coach a couple of women CEOs, um, SAS founders actually, and it, it's something, of course, we talk about a lot as well. And I, again, I, I'm not a woman founder, and but it, but it's that point you say that it is it's something that when you have kids, both as a man and a woman, your life and your priorities hugely change in terms of that. And you can't imagine what that's like beforehand. You can't imagine beforehand before you have kids. Oh yeah, I'm going to be fine. Maybe I'll work a little less, but I'm not going to change in any way. You can't imagine what life's like on the other side of that. And for for parents generally, that's tough and especially for women who often do have to take the burden of childcare much more that it is really hard for them to be a SaaS business and having kids at the same time and what was interesting about Rosemary as well and I think what I liked about her talk is she talked about how how she came back and what she had to do to to, to almost deal with that point of her being away and how she turned those things around and how she'd done that which I thought was really interesting as well so yeah it's really challenging times when you know kids come into the picture Another theme at the event, something that I'm hearing more and more in events these days, which is really good, acknowledging that there's a mental health aspect of what we're doing, that you actually do get founders who get depressed or struggle with uh, keeping a nice balance and what they're doing, and that we're finally allowed to talk about these things. And this was coming mm -hmm. up, and I think your talk, uh, Included in that area. Now, Joe, I'm going to be a little bit honest here. I'm going to be very honest uh, in my direct New Zealand way. I'm going to say that when I saw the title of your talk, my first thought was, there's nothing on this for me. It was something about uh, managing your external board and internal board. Did I get that right? Mm, that's right. Yeah. I'm thinking, well, I'm a company of five people. There is no board. It's just me. What's this got to do? But I gave it an open mind and I sat there listening patiently for the first few minutes and I quickly discovered this talk was not what I thought it was going to be and actually had a lot to say to me. Do you want to tell us briefly about your talk? Yeah. So um, what's interesting again, because again, for the boss audience, there's a lot of folks who have got, you know, la really large multi-million dollar companies and they have a board of directors, they've taken investment and they've had a board often hopefully built by them, but maybe built around them, certainly. And as a SaaS founder, typically you are great at product, you're great at coding, you're great at tech, you're great at marketing. Managing a board of directors is a whole new skill set for you. 
Um, and so it's certainly something that I know that a, sub, a, a group of founders had really struggled with is managing that external board. And then similarly, what where I took my talk and really what the focus of my talk was, was not on that managing that external board, but it was much more about managing your internal board. And what I meant by that were the the directors who are in your head. So the directors like a classic one for me, as you may have already guessed, is, is imposter syndrome. I suffer quite badly from imposter syndrome just before I get on stage, which is the worst time for it. Um, but I have, you know, an imposter in my head that I call imp. And imp's always telling me, oh, you're not good enough, Joe. You shouldn't be up there. There's nothing new you're saying here. And so I have to understand that that's one of my internal board of directors is imp. And it's imp's not the chair of my business. I am, but it's imp's got a valid point of view. You know, well, what if I listen to him? What can him tell me? Maybe I should make my talk better. Maybe I should get more input from people before I go on the stage. Is, is listening to those internal voices that are in your head that are often can be quite negative about what you are doing, telling you you can or you can't do things, or people are thinking certain things about you. It's listening to those people, those internal boards of directors and understanding what they're saying to you and why they're saying it to you. And similarly with an external board as well, is you don't have to take the advice of a of a non-exec director on your board, you can say to them, that's really useful advice. Thank you very much for it. But respectfully, I disagree. I think we should do this. And that's what a good CEO will do. And similarly with your internal board of directors, you've got, the, you've got permission to do the same thing. You can listen to your internal or whoever one of your directors is and say, thank you very much for your input. I understand what you're trying to say here, but I'm going to do this anyway. And for me, that's been an amazing strategy to overcome my imposter syndrome is to listen to it, not try and squash it in the back and not listen to it in any way, shape or form, but to engage with it, listen to it and say, thank you very much for your input. Look for what value there is there. And then, you know, ask them to sit down, ask that board of that member of my board to sit down. Um, and for me, it's been really transformational in terms of how I understand why I make the choices I do and how you know, two of my internal board of directors could be arguing with each other all the time, you know, um, and how, what that means that I'm not crazy. Actually, this is pretty normal that everybody has these different voices in their head and there's ways of you listening to them and controlling them. When you mentioned at the talk about the imposter syndrome, I could almost feel like a, a sigh across the room or a, some sort of noise of, yeah, yeah, I understand this is me. And I find that quite remarkable that people with companies that I see is much more successful than me, people with a lot of experience and success that they still feel that imposter syndrome. I think it's really nice to hear that it's not something you should try to get rid of because it's reality, but deal with it. Listen, but don't necessarily follow the advice. I think yeah. this is really, really good advice. Cause you, you know, you read a lot of stuff out there and you watch a YouTube video and it's all about controlling your imposter syndrome or squashing your imposter syndrome or defeating your imposter syndrome and that like with any so any member on your currently on your board of directors if you if you ignore somebody on your board of directors they're not that's not going to go down very well yeah you mm -hmm. can't ignore a non-exec director if they're telling you to do something and you're just completely ignoring them that's not going to go down very well because they're going to get louder shoutier that nobody likes to be ignored and the same is true of your internal board as well so one of the other ways you can think about it as well is, and perhaps another theme was neurodiversity as well. So, you know, I'm a dyslexic. Um, I work with a lot of people I coach have or are on the autism spectrum um, or, you know, identifies having ADHD. And what's interesting about all of those neurodiverse um, people is that actually there's a real value in all of those 
elements that if you even if you find yourself you consider yourself to be neurodiverse there's a strength there and the realistically it's probably what's got you to where you are today as well if you are feel like you're on the autism spectrum great it probably means you've got that deep focus where you can build and see connections and build amazing products there's a real value there and it's not something that should be shut into a box or defeated or controlled or managed or any of those sorts of things it's sort of something that should be listened to and celebrated in lots of ways and i think I wanted to make that clear at Boss that actually, you know, the attendees and the founders at Boss are not kind of your usual business people. They're not shirt and ties, MBA types. They're not. There's a lot of really interesting people. And I think it's, it's embracing all of that interest that makes all of those people successful and celebrating that also makes them, you know, feel validated. Yeah. As I, as I said earlier, I think it's great that we are speaking openly about this stuff and and it's amazing how many people who are leaders at these events, you do find out that there is something behind them that, that they've had to overcome or deal with on a daily basis. And, and yet they're still able to do what they do. I find that really remarkable. And still take their company on a journey to the place they are as well. Not only build a great product, but take it on that journey. So I shared, you know, insights from Justin Lin, who's the founder of Twitch or um, the founder of um, Minecraft. Both of those guys have extreme imposter syndrome and it, it's yeah, it's not held them back from doing what they wanted and needed and had to do. Um, it's something that's driven them on, but it's, you know, and it's something they've had to come to terms with, but it's, it hasn't stood in the way of their success. Another thing that I feel came up in this, this event quite a lot was the concept of bias against diversity that we all kind of have our, uh, the biases we're unaware of, or maybe we're even aware of them, but they still come out without us really meaning to and balancing that against, uh, the aim that a lot of us have to try and make sure we have a diverse team, diversity mm. in our organizations and how, how hard that is. I found that very challenging to me as an individual, whether I'm doing enough. And I think the answer is I'm not doing enough about that in my own life. When I, when I have been recruiting people. I don't think I've made enough effort to make sure that I'm not putting my implicit bias into the way I, I do things. And again, I'm really happy that now at conferences like Business of Software, this is something that's been openly addressed. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, similarly, I mean, it's easy for us to talk about this as, as white men. It's very, we, we've got our perspective on this, but the reality is, is that we both want to be on the right side of change in, in, in society. And that's encouraging more diversity in every single way across all the businesses we work with you know i'm i'm having seen more people from different backgrounds from from you know, coming into our industry has been wonderful for the success of a lot of the organizations and businesses that we work with i've seen the, the success that, they, that that's been bought by that diversity that's out there as well but it is it's a challenge to especially again if you're a, a bootstrap founder and you maybe only hire three or four people over the course of your business career it's like the temptation is always there is to hire people like you because you know, you, you know what you're going to get. Oh, this person's been to a similar school to me or they've got similar skills to me. They've got a similar background to me. You know what you're going to get and that's a safe place. Um, but it, it doesn't have to be like that. It's that anytime you hire somebody from a different background, they bring different points of view. And ultimately what different points of view can mean can mean different ideas, can mean different customers from different places innovation, all of that sort of stuff comes from a, a broadening your mind about who you hire, 
also means that you, you can broaden your business reach by doing that. That's the ultimate thing. There's something in there for you um, to be able to, to, you know, to, to, to hire more folks from different places with different backgrounds. Did you stay on site? I did. Yeah, I did. That's mm -hmm. a, yeah. a sudden change in topic, but I did too. And, and it's one of the things I really appreciate about this event and the previous uh, Business of Software Europe in-person event that actually got to take place, which was in 2019, is that in the environment we're in, it's almost like a, a respite from daily life because you're in uh, Cambridge College, but it's mm. one of the newer ones that's out a bit, has lots of space. And you're just like forced to disconnect from the hectic hustle bustle of life. Uh, in the yeah. mornings, I would get up early-ish. I don't want to brag, that make people think it was too early. I get up before breakfast and I would go for a nice walk right around the, the grounds. And this is something I appreciate too, the fact that the location they've chosen, I, I really hope they can mm -hmm. use that again in future years. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think so too. And it was nice being in that sort of environment with everybody as well, because I think one of the, that nervousness about being around a group of people is quite nice because you arrive on a Sunday night and if it's, if the, if, if it's a hotel that's not near the event you're at, it's hard to know where everybody is or what's going on, but because the, the college, everybody was just there and it was lovely. And on the yeah. Sunday night, it was nice to have a couple of drinks in the bar and just to get to chat to every, everybody before everything started. It was really nice to be able to be, have that physical closeness, which was, you know, again, we've all missed from lockdown, but actually at bosses, it's really quite lovely to be able to do that in a lovely environment like a college at Cambridge. Yeah, I, I appreciated that a lot. And and Mark, Kirk, and the rest of the team, Churchill College in Cambridge has my vote for future events. I really hope you can use it oh, again. Definitely. Yeah. Because, you know, I was I was due to bring my five-year-old girl with me to the to the event. She was going to come with me, but she got, unfortunately, she got ill before, a few days before the event, because I was, I was very keen for her to come along to the conference as well, to see what I did and to just meet everybody. Wow. And what was really nice was how Mark and Kirk and Joe and the team were really accommodating of that as well. It was trying to be, you know, family friendly and offering me daycare support so I could bring my little girl to, and I could still make the most of the conference as well. So I, yeah, I really appreciate that. And it would have been great to have her there because again, the college would have been perfect for her, really. Enclosed, safe environment. Yeah, that's wonderful. It wouldn't have been the first time that I've, uh, somebody's talked, taken a child with them there. So I think uh, it's something that the, obviously the organizers are open to. Well, I mean, it's again, it's about, that's about encouraging, again, about encouraging more people to be able to attend. You know, it's a privilege to be able to attend a conference because of all of the associated travel and time that you need. And if you've got kids, it's very hard to be able to go and spend two nights away somewhere as a yeah. parent. It's really tough yeah. to do that. So being able to have support, to be able to bring your child with you and for them to be able to enjoy that experience as well and be part of it is, I think, so important for the future of, again, conferences in our industry generally is to include our kids in what we do especially you know yeah it's especially to, to to show them what's possible in the world that their their, their parents work in definitely okay should we conclude now or is there anything else you want to bring up no we haven't talked about some of the tactical stuff but i'm kind of cool with that if you're cool with that so. yeah I'm, I'm cool with that okay yeah. so joe this has been a pleasure it's been great thank you i really enjoyed myself and hopefully we can get a time to catch up again like this sometime soon. Hey, shall we share with the listeners how they can get in touch with each of us? Should we use this as a chance just to tell the business of software listeners uh, how they can find out more about what you and I do? Yeah, that sounds great. So yeah, the easiest place to find me is my website, and that's Mr. Joe, M-R-J-O-E dot U-K. 
So mrjoe.uk is the easiest place to find me or find me on LinkedIn or Twitter. I'm Mr. Joe in both of those places. Oh, that's a great, great tag you've got there. And you can find my company at featureupvote.com and my podcast at bootstrapped.fm and on Twitter and LinkedIn, all the normal places. And of course, if you want to know more about Business of Software, which is what you're listening to this podcast about, then businessofsoftware.org, you can find out about future events, both online and in real life. Okay. Bye, Joe. Thanks very much, Steve. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.